Welcome back to Inside the Pastor Study Podcast. Uh, my name is Pastor Jeremy, and I have a, a special guest with me uh, this this week. Pastor George is away on vacation, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to to bring in a, a ministry leader in our own congregation to have a conversation. And so I have with me uh, Stephanos. Hey, man, welcome. Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, Stephanos uh, has a really cool uh, story. He's been a part of our church now for um, several years. And uh, we're going to get a bit into that uh, conversation a bit about his background and what brought him to Marsh Corner Community Church and some of the places he's served and what drives him as he serves. Um, But in the process of that conversation, we are also going to tie into um, the conversation PG and I have been having for the last several weeks on the podcast, talking about things that we wish young pastors knew. And the reason we're going there today is because, Stephanos, you've uh, recently enrolled in seminary, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, and so you're in this process of, of beginning to uh, explore that call and going into, into ministry. And so I uh, thought uh, with this availability uh, um, that we would kind of tap into you on the early phase of this conversation and, and, and this journey uh, and uh, to see where you're at and what God's doing in your life and, uh, and to learn from that and, and see how that applies uh, to some of the things that we've been talking about recently on the podcast. So we're glad you're here with us, um, and uh, thanks for tuning in. And just as a reminder, go ahead and find our Facebook page while you're listening, like that, um, share the podcast with a friend, you can rate us uh, on the, the ho- podcast host that you're listening to right now. Um, all those help expand who gets to hear this and, and participate in this community. But Stephanos, um, glad you're here, man. Give me some uh, uh, background on like your life, because you've kind of got like a, an interesting background. It's not You didn't just grow up in Methuen and end up at March Corner because your family was here. I mean, you... You've been around the block a bit, so tell us a little bit about like your history, your story, um, and kind of like give me a few a minute or so of what brought you here to our church. Yeah, um, so originally I was born in Germany, uh, Baden-Württemberg, Germany, and my family just moved around a lot. So we went to California, to Georgia, to New Jersey. We moved back to Germany, and then we planted down in Massachusetts. And so we've been on the hunt for a good church for a little while. We've been all over the area, and we found a home and a family right here at Marsh Corner. And that's been really, really exciting for us. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, you guys, I think, I I remember you guys, I think your mom first found us through, uh, we used to do block parties in the summertime, and I think you guys first found us through that. Um, But how long have you been a part of Marsh Corner now? I think about seven years. Yeah. Yeah, okay. 2014. Cool. Nice. So so you arrived here. When you got here, you were in high school, finishing high school. You were in high school. Um, and then you, you headed off to college somewhat locally, right? Yes. I went to the University of Massachusetts in Lowell. Nice. And so while you were there, I, one of the things I noticed as I got to know you in that process, you had started, you'd plugged in fairly early. Um uh, into ministry. You're a gifted musician. You've helped a lot in, with our worship team, um, but you also were serving a bit uh, while going through college at a ministry there, right? What was that like? Oh, crazy busy. <laughs> it was like almost like a part-time job or something like that, but it, it's such an interesting dynamic between, you know, Marsh Corner and then serving at a college um, because, you know, Marsh Corner is catering to an entire town and even local towns, but at a university, it's like all folks my age for that fact. So 
Um, it, it is is completely different stages of life focus, but it is so incredibly fruitful to have that that dual dynamic. Yeah, I'm sure, man. Uh, that'd be cool to like dig into a little bit. Tell me a little bit about what the uh, the college ministry looked like that you were serving in. What did that? What was that? What did you do there? Um, sure. So it was a a crew called CSF, which is uh, Christian Student Fellowship at which was actually from a church in Lowell called Mill City Church. And they are just phenomenal, uh, well-driven disciple makers. And so it's just, you know, a group of folks who actually, I think, came down south and from Mississippi and moved up here, and they just continued to just disciple more and more people. And it grew from 6 to 10 to you know, now up to about 100 students are going to that on a regular basis, and they just really hone in on, you know, what does a multiplying community look like? How do you do that? And it's it's not just getting the numbers, but actually thoroughly investing into, into all stages of students in their path, whether they're babies or new or more mature and just really investing and having fun with that relationship, but walking alongside them so that they see Christ at a much deeper level. Awesome. So what did, what were some of the things that like you did specifically as, as you plugged into that ministry? Um, so I was more focused on the musical aspect of it. So I joined in as a singer and guitarist and, Eventually, the student graduated. His name was uh, Sean Hayes, absolutely brilliant musician and uh, heart on fire for God. And he just kind of, you know, uh, grew me to to become the next worship leader for that crew. And for about three, four years, I led worship for uh, Christian Student Fellowship. Nice, nice. So you were you were prepping sets and working with worship teams and all those things with that group. At the same time, you're also kind of plugged in and doing the exact same thing here at Marsh Corner and, and plugging in with, with our worship teams and helping that music uh, ministry develop and grow and, and, and using your musical talent in those ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and kind of both groups got to benefit from uh, the talent you have and also from the heart you have. And uh, and, and that was, that was, you know, as a as, as I saw you growing through your time in college, it was fun to kind of uh, serve alongside you in some of those areas. I like to dabble in music. <laughs> and so it's fun to kind of be there and participate in that a little bit and to, and to serve with you there. So you, uh, you graduated college, um, headed off into like the work field, like the workspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, you're, you're starting to figure out, like, I think one of the challenges we all have when we leave school is how do I take this experience that I've had? Um, you know, especially if you found a place to really plug in and serve while at university, how do you take that experience of growth and start to use that after college? And so, like, was that a, was that a challenge for you to try and like still um, find those places of connection and serving once that built-in community was uh, was gone? I believe so. I think I, I think I really did struggle with that in terms of just like, well, I have all these folks that are around my age and they're my friends, but then I really have this loving, catering family at home um, at Marsh Corner. 
And so I really did struggle with that so much of just saying, like, where do I, how do I serve? Like, who do I serve? Like, I, I have these almost two separate Christian lives. Like, how do I bring that together? Hmm. Mm-hmm. So what happened? What what was the, what, what was that process like? And where, where did you end up with all of that? <laughs> That's actually a really hard question. Um, because <laughs> I think at that point, you're asking me about, you know, how did I, how did I become a more mature Christian? How did I find my true identity in Christ? And I think I started wrestling at, at that point. So I think I think I was here at Marsh Corner, and then I, I really politely asked you guys if I could go to the other church. I was a regular attender, and you guys gave me the blessing. And I went over there, and I and it wasn't what I was expecting. The church is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and I love the teachings that are there and the worship that is there and the people that are there. But I was just having my own struggle and wrestling with my own identity in Christ that I just needed a complete maybe sabbatical basically from ministry to really figure out who, who, what my identity is truly in. And once I figured that out, I was like, I need to I need to serve my home church. Hmm. It's tr- it is really tricky because I think we... Uh... It's really easy to find, you're talking about your identity, it's really easy to find your identity in the place you're serving. We were talking about this um, yesterday in church, I was, we were preaching out of Galatians and talking about um, finding our identity in the gospel. And a lot of times we find our identity in things that look like the gospel and, and sound like the gospel, but are actually still self-edifying in a way. And, uh, you know, and so like we get really wrapped up in our own ministry, which sounds really spiritual and really important. And, and it is a, it's a, it's a benefit to other believers, but we start to identify more with like, well, I run the nursery or, you know, I am, a, I am a trustee at this church. And if I wasn't here like four nights a week, this whole building would implode and that, you know, and, or, or whatever. Like we have all of these, I'm in the counseling ministry and, you know, all of these people rely on me for mm-hmm. my, like from, you know, me, you know, and if I wasn't there to pour into these couples, what would happen? And, and those are all helpful things for the congregation at large. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really easy to slide into identifying more with where we're serving than who we are and what God is doing in our hearts and what the gospel is doing to transform us. And, uh, and, and I think it's just a good like, word for anybody listening to this, that, that you can find your identity in good things. But if you find your identity in good things, they become uh, you know, idols. And when you find your identity in good things and make them idols, they become a not so good thing. Yeah. And so you had to kind of work through that process perhaps, right? Like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that like the case? You kind of had to think through like, am I, mm-hmm. am I Stephanos, like the Jesus follower who is maturing or am I Stephanos, the worship leader, or am I like, where am I and what do I fall, where do I fall on this? Yeah, and I guess the way to answer that was like, I had the first two commandments completely backwards, Right. I loved serving. I, I've served both communities just full on with passion. But yeah, that, that started becoming my identity. And it's just like, no, like God says that's not the priority. The priority, like, yes, serve people, sure, but that's not the priority. First, the priority is the first commandment, which is like, love the Lord with all your heart. Mm. I want to have a relationship with you. Spend community and time with me. And then let that just permeate your life and within your works, 
I'll work through you to start serving community around. It's like you need to work on that relationship first to have that healthy um, boundaries in life as well. Yeah, and that's so hard to do. It, I feel like it's easy to talk about and really hard to do. It, it's, and it, it's much easier, I think, as a Christian to go and serve somewhere. Because mm. that's like that's a tangible thing. It actually has like a slot in your calendar. It has real life people usually that benefit from it. It has something that you can check off on your list of like accomplishments. Like I was here and I served on this day, or I'm I'm on this um, this rotational schedule and I show up. Therefore, like the church is better and I'm serving God better. But it's easy to it's easier to do that than it is to focus on some things that are less tangible, and that's your walk with Jesus. And it's 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 hard to measure your walk with Jesus. It's hard to um, it's hard to look at that and really you know it takes some extra work to process if you're growing or not in your faith with the Lord. And uh, so you can you know we we get caught up in that whole you know Martha Mary thing right where we're really busy going about serving God. Um, and forgetting to just hang out at his feet. I think anybody in ministry at any level, whether um, you know you're, you're washing the floors every six months, or you're you're at the church building every time the doors are open serving, you know that's a challenge for all of us for sure. things that I noticed in you in this process of um, rediscovering your identity in Christ. So you started meeting pretty frequently with, with uh, PG and myself at different levels and having these deep soul-searching conversations. And we'd often sit and talk for a really long time. You had these deep questions that you were asking um, and, uh, and you're growing through this process. And that was fun to watch and be a part of as, as really the discipleship process was, was uh, reignited in you. Um, that what I saw as a pastor was somebody who was eager to become a great disciple. And, uh, and I think what that's done o- over the last couple of years as you work through that is it's given you a real heart for this process of discipleship. And I'm watching you now kind of turn that and work on discipling others. So, um, I feel like that begins in this part of college, but how, how do you integrate all of that now? Like, how do you, as like a young, you know, you know, at first, you know, as a young working professional, before you get into this space of, I think I want to go into ministry, like, how were you integrate, how did you like integrate that heart for discipleship with just having these day-to-day responsibilities? Like, first you need to, you need to really understand like how the gospel completely permeates your life. Like not just being, a, you're not talking about being a good Christian. You're talking about a life that's completely um, just enthralled with who and marvel just who God is, who Christ is, and and what what does the gospel actually mean? And when that when that actually truly penetrates you, it just starts seeping out, and you don't even realize it. 
And so I just wanted to talk with everyone about it. It was became my favorite conversation to talk with people. So it's easy at college where people are just curious and they don't know what life's about and they want to know what to do or why you believe in God and so on and so forth. And you just start having cool, deep conversations of saying like how this has, you know, affected me or how this has cured me from, from, you know, my, my depression that I've personally had or just really has brought me into a completely new life. Um, the more difficult piece about that is how do you bring that into the workplace? Because I started, I worked in sales and management and I started becoming very bitter and resentful about the job because like it's just talking about how do we sell things or how do I do things or, 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 or motivate my team to sell more things. It's all about the numbers and figures. And so I don't, I don't really care about that anymore. Hmm. I just I kind of want to just talk about God, you know? Um, and I think there came a point where I realized that like, oh my goodness, everywhere is my ministry. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely everywhere it could be. And if I just continue to, you know, not really hit people over the head with the Bible, but just like let them know, like, oh yeah, like I, I can't work Sundays because I go to church. Or uh or like I'm oh, what are you excited to do for this week? You know, I'm excited to go to practice that worship team, or oh, I'm meeting one on one with this guy and we're we're talking about the book or whatever. And they start just seeing that, you know, you really just involve all your life. You really, you know, turned away from that old life and, and you're focusing on righteousness essentially. And they're curious of like, why are you following this path? And I'm not going to them with these questions. I'm not going to them saying like, have you, have you thought about your Lord and savior? You know, do you know why you need to be saved? <laughs> if you that? died tonight. Yeah. You know, and you know, why should I let you into heaven? Yeah. No, yeah. I just, they just kind of are so curious about my lifestyle and they start asking, you know, like, why do you believe? Or, uh, um, why do you go to Sundays every morning and, and just getting to bigger and bigger conversations just because you're different, you mm -hmm. know, or just because you, you're so, there's clearly something different about you and the way that you walk and the, the way that you're just, the way that you have a, an abundance of self-worth, but yet you walk around with humility mm. uh, as if you... Not that you had low self-esteem, but that you just, it's like an ego, but lack thereof at the same time. <laughs> like you just, you just have a confidence to face the world because you know who you are in Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think like, I, a lot of us, one of the things I've noticed about culture, about our culture, um, is that we love to reverse engineer success stories. And, and so what people tend to do, we watch a TED talk or we read a book of somebody who is successful, you know, some great athlete writes their autobiography. And so we also want to be great at something. And so we'll buy their autobiography and look at all the things that they did, you know, the 4 a.m. workouts and the, you know, I never, I only eat kale, you know, and like all that stuff. And they're like, ah, okay. So if I want to be successful then I need to be up at 4 a.m. and I need to do this, I need to do that because that's what this great person did. And, and we do that in business. You know, This person earned their first million dollars when they were 22 years old by creating X, Y, and Z. And in order to do that, they had this work week that was X numbers long. And, you know, and we, their, their morning routine was always this. And so if I want to be successful like this person in the workplace, 
I'm going to integrate all of those great principles. We just like that. That's, that's one of the ways that we, we tend to think as pragmatic Americans. And um, we do that with our faith too. We want the result of being good uh, disciple makers. We want the result of being uh, great evangelists. We want the result of being people who are passionate worshipers. And so we find good examples, and there's room for this for sure, but we find good examples and then we just reverse engineer what they did and then try and build it in. The problem with that comes when we start um, putting on those those, um, disciplines without first having the relationship built with Jesus. And I think one of the things that you you discovered in this process is you had you had done what so many of us do. You you started putting on all of those um, things that made like successful Christians successful by serving with gusto, by being involved in multiple spaces, by giving up so much of your free energy and time to serve God, but you without first having that foundation of confidence in who you are in Christ and that walk with Him you found yourself dried up and, and discouraged. Um, but, walk, but stepping back from that and focusing on uh, your walk with Jesus and finding um, your, your sustenance in his discipleship process, once you got there, then you were able to serve with more intention and it became a part of who you are. And I think a lot of us, we want the result of being a good Christian, um, but we've we've neglected that baseline process of just being excited about who God is. Do you think that like did you find that a bit in your in your like walk? Is that am I portraying that in a helpful or accurate way? No, I think you're spot on. It's it's going back to just complete reckless abandonment and uh, of saying like of whoever I am like like I just want, I just want God, and and I think that the the story that's been on my heart this past week is just the two thieves that are on the cross right next to Jesus, and you have the one that's basically saying like, well, if you're the Christ, you know, you can just save us by a snap of a finger, and it's like that's so transactional, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's a complete lack of understanding of the gospel and, and who you are, you know, but you have the other thief who's saying like whoa, like, you don't know who this is. Like, we deserve to be on this cross. Like, I deserve the punishment of death because I, I'm accused, rightfully so, of these heinous crimes. He didn't deserve to die. And then he responds, it's like, like Christ, like, I just hope that you know me. Mm-hmm. Like, think of me when you enter into the kingdom. And, and Christ says, bingo. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you recognize that, you know, you're a sinful person, you deserve to die, but within your weakness, like you just, all you really want at the very end, at the very least of things is to be with me, mm-hmm. that I know you and that you, that you know me and that you're, we're in each other and that's it. Complete, total, reckless abandonment and just saying, Christ, like that's all I want. Yeah. That's all I need. And, and, and then, then you start getting it. Yeah. Yeah. So moving the story along a bit here, what, one of the things that I notice, um, particularly in young men who um, start to get this process and start to really discover their love for God and, and, and have these powerful experiences of, of, um, of discipleship and growth, a lot of times young guys say, well, then my next step, obviously, is I need to go into ministry. 
And um, we, uh, I, I joke a lot. I've, I've had this conversation with you a few times. Like my, I, you know, one of my jobs as a pastor is to talk people out of the M's. Um, to talk people out of marriage and talk people out of ministry, going into full-time ministry. And if I can't talk you out of it, and I'm, I'm a relatively convincing guy, if I can't talk you out of it, then we're then I'm all for it. Like, like okay, clearly this is something that is God-ordained and God is in this process. I just needed to make sure of that. Now let's co-pursue it. Um, and so that that happens. And if you're if you're um, if you're younger, actually at any stage, right? Like if you're a young man, young woman, if you're, if you have just gone through this powerful experience of, of God's grace and you have been, um, just more alerted to his presence and his love for you. I think sometimes we, we want to abandon everything in life and just follow him. That's, that's, that's the right response. Um, but sometimes that abandoning everything and following him means that we still remain in our job <laughs> that is in, is in the public sector and we don't necessarily drop everything and go into ministry. That's a whole other thing and a whole other gift set. That's a, that's a spiritual calling and a spiritual gift thing that God does in somebody's life. Um, and so how did you go through this process of thinking like, does God want me, because we, we've talked about this a lot, does God want me to abandon the public sector, and go into ministry? Or does God want me to just be a more passionate follower of him and a good disciple maker who stays in the public sector? Like, wh- what did you go through in that process, and how did you come to this ultimate decision of being somebody on their way to seminary? That is a great question. Thanks. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think you need to understand what exactly ministry is first. And for me, it took me forever. Because again, I told you, like I started getting bitter and resentful of just like, like all I just want to do is be with God. I just want to, I want to talk about Christ all the time. It's like I don't want to be doing sales or or leading people necessarily um, to to sell more things. It just it just seems just completely against God or something <laughs> at some points. But like it came to a point where it's just like you need to understand that ministry is in all places. And that, then that's where I started finding true satisfaction and understanding of my calling and gifting. Like, oh, no, I could be talking about God with my relationships with my coworkers at work. Mm-hmm. You know, we went through 2020, the whole pandemic. We actually, it's kind of a gift to me, I hate to say that, because it really shifted my job from sales-oriented and people management and getting them to be as efficient salespeople as possible to, like, I'm now actually counseling these folks. Mm-hmm. Like I sit down with them and have long conversations with them to make sure that they're okay. Um, especially because I worked in downtown Boston yeah. and we had, you know, riots coming through and we had to shut down our store as quickly as we can and get my, my team to safety mm. <laughs> before the, uh, the trains shut down and all that. And just to hear their lives and to, to, to be able to understand what's going on it's like this was such a gift because it's like this is this is this is my ministry opportunity right here. Like I can have these conversations on a regular basis, and we're just talking about life, you know. And 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 some of them have the most wild of lives, mm-hmm. um, and and just you know history of like well I had to sell drugs just to keep my family afloat, or um, I used to be a prostitute just to keep my family afloat or a stripper. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, wow. And then they look at me uh, coming from a very Christian community, and they're just like, 
I basically hate everything that you're about because you've had a very, you know, privileged life or you've had uh, just so much peace in your life. And it was like maybe in comparison, but like we're still all human and we still all need the same thing. Mm-hmm. And just to show that love and to show the light that's inside of you and to be the salt of the earth and, and essentially be an enticing figure to look at, um, you're wondering who is that Christ? And they start asking those questions and they start being more curious. And they're like, well, what is a good church to go to where, like maybe I want to go to a service or you know, some of them don't respond that way. Some of them are just like, well, like maybe I just start with a prayer. Or I'll be better to my Christian friends that I've been secretly trying to corrupt. You know, it's it's that moment where you realize like, oh my goodness, ministry is wherever you are. Mm-hmm. If you could turn the conversation and, and not forcefully, but just naturally to be curious about who's this Christ figure inside of you, then then you have a disciple right there. That's it. And I think that moment of that is like, oh, I could be effective wherever God wants me to be. Mm-hmm. God, wherever you want me to be, I will be an effective minister. But gosh, I just loved it too much. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I love teaching. Yeah. That's, yeah. And it's a cool thing. I think, man, so much of our lives, it's, it's just, it's a key thing to find um, contentment in the place that God has put you. And uh, uh, it's a tough word to, to use there, like contentment in the place that God has put you. Uh, but I, I think like just finding your, when you can find your satisfaction in Christ, which is, which is kind of where we're at in this, in this process of your life, when you can find your complete satisfaction in Christ, then you can step away from those things in life that um, seem unbearable. Uh, because you don't need to look to those things as your identity anymore. You don't have to look to those things as the places where you should find satisfaction. You don't. You no longer have to worry about um, is my four hundred one k plan rich enough or not, so that I can retire with the numbers that I have in my head, you know, appropriately. Like, and then laboring over that for your whole life and and worrying about that for your whole life. You can step back and be like, eh, I should, I should, I should steward this well, but. God's good to take care of me. It's okay. I'm where he needs me to be. And because I'm where he needs me to be, then he's going to sort this thing out. Um, like you can kind of find some of those things. And so I'd say like, if you're listening to this and you're really struggling, like first, like the, the first diagnostic question is, am, am I struggling because I'm not where I'm supposed to be? Or am I struggling because I'm not who I'm supposed to be? And, and when you can come to that answer and be like, no, I am definitely right now who I'm supposed to be then you can start asking the question, all right, am I struggling because I'm not where? And, and I think that you kind of went through that process. And, and you, you finally, I think, got to this space where you're getting a good handle, at least uh, a good handle on the who, so that you could start to think about the where. And while you could now find satisfaction in where God had put you, um, it, it, it began this process of searching out seminary and going into full-time ministry. And so you made that decision. Um, and now what well, you start up here at seminary in, um, soon, right? Like when do you actually start classes? Uh, September 13th. All right. So we're recording this, 
uh, early August. So you're, uh, you're about a month away right now from, mm -hmm. from starting out those classes. And hopefully, right, this, is, this begins the process of long and fruitful ministry for you. And, uh, and uh, seminary becomes something that's a rich and rewarding experience for you. So what are some of your, what are some of your hopes um, as somebody who's not yet gone to class and started this process of seminary? What are some of your hopes for seminary? Why are you pursuing that? Wow, that's incredibly hard. Um, cause I don't know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm told there's a lot of reading. Uh, <laughs> I've also been warned against seminaries saying it's, you know, they call the, the land of spiritual death or something like that. Um, I think honestly, I just, I, I just so desire to serve in a ministerial, ministerial and almost pastoral role, mm -hmm. um, because I enjoy disciple making but I'm encountering stories that I don't know how to respond to, hmm. or I don't know how to, to like, I just, I'm, I'm almost maxed out. Like, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I hate that. Yeah. And not that I'm saying that I should be anyone's savior. Or I should have the answer to anyone else, but like, I want to be able to provide others with the resources so that they're able to see again, Christ at the end of the day here. And I think I'm, that's the, that's why I'm seeking additional training, mm -hmm. so that I'm able to to be able to convey value in the gospel um, on a more broad spectrum and on a more personal spectrum for some folks, um, so that when I am with a group or if I'm an individual, I have those for them, and that we could walk together and try to understand it more. Because I don't I don't know your story too well. You don't know my story too well, but like we can learn off of each other and we could see how, how exactly God, our father functions. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> there's this, uh, there is a, um, well, he's still alive. There's an American cyclist who won the tour de France a bunch of times in the eighties. His name's Greg Lamond. And, uh, somebody asked him uh, some question about like all of the hills that he has to get up and over in France and, uh, you know, all the Alps and then the Pyrenees. And, uh, his statement on all of that was, you don't, you, uh, it doesn't hurt less. You just get faster. And, uh, and I think, you know, I butchered the quote a little bit, but yeah, the, the sentiment is there, right? Like, I think one of those things that you run into in this process of discipleship is, um, you get, you know, it, going to seminary gives you definitely more tools and equips you better to answer some of these questions, but you never really lose that point where you have, you know, you have, I don't think you ever get to the point where, um, you have all the answers and I don't think you ever really get to the point where counseling somebody becomes really easy. You just get a little bit better at it. And, uh, and over time and using those tools, you, you, your skill level increases, but it also brings with it greater challenges. Um, and, uh, and with that, you know, you still have this point of reliance on the spirit and uh, a need for humility and, um, and just the continued heart for learning and developing and growing and increasing your skill level. Because as you continue in this process of, of ministering to others, you're going to just encounter weird stuff because people are weird. And uh, you're going to have more questions and you're going to have other things that drive you back to your Bible and drive you back to your relationship with Jesus and force you to like ask those questions of, oh man, what do I tell this person? I have no idea. And, uh, but with all that said, like having this 
having this education and this focus on equipping is definitely a, a helpful and important part of the process and going into full-time ministry. And I'm excited to see what God has in store for you, Stephanos. I'm, I'm grateful for the way in which you continue to serve here at Marsh Corner. You, you've taken on some new roles, and uh, you're starting to serve in some places that are stretching you. And uh, like, I, I think that like your, your, your comfort level and your wheelhouse is definitely in music, and you, you continue to help our, um, our worship ministries develop and grow here but you've also stepped into some other spaces, which is key. If you're listening to this and you know, you're early on in ministry or considering seminary yourself, like it's so good to have places to actually um, work at and exercise the things you're learning and, uh, and to continue to serve, to not pull back from all places of serving so that you can learn, but still find those places. It's kind of like a science lab if you're taking a science class. And so you have some new labs that you've started here. You're working with young adults and, and helping um, with some other, a team of other young adults to kind of um, develop that ministry. You're also stepping into children's ministry and, and beginning that process and learning there, which is a very big stretch for you, right? Incredibly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, thankfully, we have a great group of volunteer leaders that are there and have served in that space for a long time that you're going to be serving with. Um, but all those things are there to help you learn more about what um, what God does in the local church and how he works in it, and hopefully will be um, great places to equip you in this continuing process of discovering more and more who God has made you to be, and then through that, how you're able to encourage and disciple others in that process. It's fun to watch, and uh, it's uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what God does in you. Um, you have any last thoughts or encouragements if somebody's listening to this and thinking like how do i um how do i i don't know maybe how do i get better at this whole like finding my identity in jesus thing like or you know where do i step in to serve if i'm feeling comfortable there like any other encouragement you'd give somebody listening yeah i think there's a brother of mine that i met with the other day that is you know incredibly intelligent knows knows the Bible so well and is just a way better speaker than I am in just conveying that message, who's just going through a really hard time and almost a feeling as if he's fallen too far away from God. I feel like that's kind of like along the same lines of what you're asking. It's like, I think one recognized that like one Christ says that like, there's nothing that's going to take you out of my grip. There's nothing that is uh, that could possibly remove you from me. And so recognizing that, like, yeah, like, you were always with him. Like, you're, there's, there's, you're not falling too far away. And that goes for both, you know, tenured Christians going through a rough time and even baby Christians are starting off. But going back to, like, okay, well, if that's the truth, then what do I need to do? It's like, well, understand... Um, understand a, a reckless pursuit for him like if you just start praying if you just start talking to him you just start talking about him with everyone around you like you just start realizing how it just permeates your your thoughts and your minds and i think that's the brilliance of prayer it doesn't have to be incredibly formal just it could be as simple as like god i'm mad at you uh help me understand or god i'm curious of you like i want to understand you more and uh and then you just start talking to him about people and just try to see what their thoughts are. It's like 
you're just starting to psychologically actually frame your mind of what the priorities are mm-hmm. and what the priorities that he's putting into your life. And it's, that's, that's a life interested in being with Christ. Don't worry about what you think because more often than not, you're wrong. <laughs> you're just lying to yourself about your self-worth. Uh, don't worry about what other people are saying. Like, what does God say about you? Mm-hmm. You're my child whom I love. And with I'm I'm well pleased. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, man, thanks for uh, joining me and and hanging out here in the uh, in the podcast uh, studio or in the pastor study. Yeah. <laughs> um, what if somebody has question more questions for you or would like to get to know you a little bit more or like would like to tap in? Maybe they're in a similar life stage or they've had some they've had some similar experiences of what they've heard today and they just want to hear a little bit more about how that how you walk through that. Like what's a good way for somebody to contact you and get in touch other than like cell phone. Cause we won't throw that out on the, uh, <laughs> the phone number is yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, just Marsh, Marsh corner, just email Marsh and then get connected. I yeah. I'll love to get connected or meet. Yeah. Cool. Whatever. So you can email us office at marshcorner.com. We'll, we'll help facilitate that connection and, and uh, get people, get you, uh, in, you know, over to Stefano so he can, you know, you know, encourage you perhaps, or maybe even you have the, you have something and you'd like to encourage him too. So, um, thanks for joining me, man. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. I, I think with a normal, uh, normal podcast, PG will be fresh off his, his vacation from out West. And, uh, we'll continue in this process talking about, um, things that we think that young pastors should know. So tune into us, tune in with us next time. We'll see you then. Bye now. Thank you, pastor. You've been listening to Inside the Pastor's Study Podcast, hosted by pastors George and Jeremy Stevens. Cover art by Caitlin Gallagher, music by Sammy Kay. To find out more about us, head to marshcorner.com.